and gents, welcome back. This is yet another episode of the Iraq Football Podcast. I'm your host, Hassanen Bilal, and I know you're probably at home, bored, without any football, but that's why we're here. We're trying to bring you up-to-date news on uh, what's happening in the world of Iraq football. And I'm very fortunate today to be joined by a close friend, somebody who I've worked alongside for a long time, and that is Yusuf Al-Khafaji. Yusuf, welcome to the show. Right, Yusuf, uh, I want to jump straight into the um, the substance, the meat of the show, which is about Iraqi pro players. Last time I checked, you guys, mashallah, you have nearly, what, 2 million social media media followers or something? How has that come about? How did it start? How did you guys grow to be the uh, the giants that you are today? Well... To be honest, it started uh, a while ago, I think now it's uh, nine years. Um, the way it started was, I never expected it to come to this, this big, but the way it started was, it was a hobby of mine. Uh, obviously, you know, my career is in architecture and construction, but ever since I was a kid, I was always into football, just like any other Middle Eastern kid. Um, I, never got, I never managed to become a footballer for so many reasons, but I always kept up with football and then my start was uh, with blogging and uh, these online forms so the form called Cora I'm sure you know yeah. that's where I started writing about football uh, writing opinions discussions and all that and then from there I started seeing many people uh, posting about different players someone saying we might have a player this place, other person saying we might have a player in this other country. And this was really an interesting topic for me because when I was a kid, I never thought we'd have players in Europe, for example. So, the, whilst this was happening, you were based in Dubai, right? Yeah, those, those times I was based in Dubai. And then I just decided um, that I would start this Facebook page. You know, and those times there was not many Iraqis in social media, Facebook as well. And uh, when, I, when I did that, I, was, I did also invite uh, two people with me from those forums, which were always active on these topics, expert players. So in the beginning, they didn't join, but then eventually they did join me. Uh, we started from scratch and just kept growing and growing, you know. Until, until we reached this level now where we can, I can claim that, uh, or I can say that we're, we're, we're one of the biggest, if not the biggest, football platform in Iraq with the things that we have achieved over the years. So just like anything else, you know, uh, you, you continue with what you do, uh, you build up on what you have achieved, and then years by years, you're always going to develop. So that's it. At what point did you think that this this can be more than just a hobby? When did you realize, actually, I've created something here that can actually be substantial towards Iraqi football? Okay. Uh, I just think that in 2015, for two reasons. One, because we started creating content from tournaments. So there was a 2015 Asian Cup, and we started creating content for the national team. So it was something unusual for social media to create content by itself for the national team. And second was when I got the sponsorship of Coca-Cola, which was in 2015, so when I got their interest, I, when I got their sponsorship, I just thought, you know what, this this is something that could turn out to be big because I managed and um, I was successful to get the interest of 
a global com- a global company like uh, Coca-Cola. So it made me kind of spend more time on it, uh, made me more interested, and I felt there's a lot of things to be done in that field. And, you know, I proved to be right as well. What about in terms of, like, um, your influence within Iraqi football itself? At what point did you realize like you're having a very positive impact on on the the game and what football is to the Iraqi fans? Or maybe negative as well. <laughs> some people. I mean, think... some people certainly think that. <laughs> Believe me, I've uh, I've had that response from people who've uh, who follow my website. But yeah. let's look at the positives for now. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that's fine. You can never uh, satisfy everyone. Yeah. You. you can never satisfy all humans. That's that's the nature of of us humans. That's fine. Everyone's gonna have their own perspective. But I did think that uh, we're kind of influential by, um, you know, when we when we started getting a lot of fans as well, obviously, uh, then everyone would start thinking, uh, everyone would, would consider, I would say, what we post, everyone would consider what comes out from this website, uh, what opinions comes out from this website. So uh, it, it wasn't, there wasn't really a turning point where I just suddenly realized that our website is influential. No, it just happened gradually through time. So, uh, as I said, 2015 was a major breakthrough for us. And then every every year after that, everything that happened after that, we just, uh, you know, we kept growing up and then we kept becoming more influential. And especially because, as I said, we create this, we create content for the national team and also uh, the news, the articles, the opinions which we publish. So I would claim that, I would say that it's always correct because we have our inner sources with the national teams. We have our connections, obviously, by working in, in, any, in any field, in, in, in any industry for, for nine years, you would have connections, you would have people that you speak to, you trust, they trust you. So that's why. So what would you say is your actual goal for Iraqi pro players? Like, what, what do you want to achieve overall in the future? And what are you moving towards? Well, I think I've achieved everything I've wanted for Iraqi pro players as far yet. Uh, and uh, I'm very happy with what we've done. We've helped the national team in many different ways. Not only players, by the way. We've supported the national team in many different ways. Sometimes it's published, sometimes it's even unpublished off the records. Um, and that's why people from the national team, they appreciate us. They always welcome us with the national team camps because they know very well the amounts of uh, help the amount of support we've given them uh, uh, commercially as well uh, we did well we got these sponsorships which which by the way also helped us to improve and to expand because without these sponsorships you would never be able to travel to the national team and you'd never be able to create this type of content that oh, yeah. we create of course. Uh, other media outlets uh, especially tv channels they they always supported by political parties or they have some sort of fund yeah. For us, we started from scratch, from nothing. So I, I can say that we also had a successful business module where we started from nothing and then we had, we, we, we were self-funding and then now we have uh, some sort of income from these sponsorships which we fund our content, our works and so yeah. on. So what we want to do next is basically just continue what we do. We expand. Um, we did expand by last year as well. We, we started creating events. Uh, we did turn uh, IQ, Iraqi players, which is now IQ, we did turn it into a company as well, which provides services to these companies we deal with. So we, we did create this uh, major event, if you're aware of it, which yeah, was last year. Of course, year, in Baghdad, so. right? Yeah, in Baghdad. Amazing event, yeah. Yeah, so it was the biggest uh, event as as, it's, as, as such time in, yeah. in Iraq. 
So it was a fun zone, the biggest fun zone in Iraq's history. Yeah. I would say the first one of its kind as well, uh, which I was very proud of. Create something in your own country, yeah. uh, something that gets interest of everyone around you, all the fans, all Iraqis. You know, you, you you're very happy when you see you make people of your own country happy as well. So. In terms of difficulties that you might encounter running your your projects, your website, what kind of problems have you encountered, especially when it comes to like these these amazing events? So the, the one in Baghdad, I remember watching it. Uh, well, not I wasn't there, unfortunately. I would have loved to have been, but uh, I was seeing the the videos being posted of the fans there, especially the um, if I remember correctly, there was the Iraq Iran game that was um, being hosted as well, wasn't it? There's always difficulties, you know, in anything you do, there's difficulties. In terms of, of the on-ground events, it wasn't the only one. We, we've done the Best Player of the Year uh, ceremony award. You were there. Oh, was there, yeah, 2015. Yeah, 2015. So there's always difficulties, you know, these logistics, financial difficulties, you know, the space we had rented for that event it was quite expensive because it was in a private mall. So we rented the space from them, uh, getting the funds you need, uh, all these organization details which you need, logistics, as I said, is very difficult. Uh, but online difficulties, or the other words we've, which we've done as well, it was also very, very difficult. And uh, the reason why many players appreciate us, is, at least from my understanding, is because they see the amount of hard work we did, and it was really for no gain that all this hard work we did was for the national team. So we're not an agency. We're not agents. We don't charge anyone for any. We don't charge any athlete. We publish about them. And you see, recently we've created a new platform called IQ Pro X for individual sports, not only footballers. Yeah, so like so, MMA and boxing and whatnot. Exactly. So we want to repeat the same uh, example, the same module which we follow for IQ Pro, but for other sports, which we believe there's big space uh, to to develop in Iraq. Now, that's, I don't want to get in there yet, but we've always faced difficulties like. Many people would, wouldn't understand really what we're doing because it's something it's not very common, right? Yeah. Uh, not only in Iraq, to be fair, everywhere. Because the services we provide are usually done by agents which charge for these services. Yeah. So many people would think that what are, are these guys? Are they agents? Are they a TV channel? Are they just a random Facebook page? Sometimes people just wonder: Is there any anyone supporting them? They have this big ability of influencing, or they have this this good financial ability, so they always wonder. But the truth is, it was only good planning and hard work, simple as that. Of course, um, like you guys have, you've grown every single year and you've, you've expanded into different areas and like we're very proud as Iraqi fans, well most of us are proud about Thank what you. you guys have achieved and how you continue to support the national team by uh, identifying new talent worldwide, by supporting the players themselves that exist. Uh, within Iraqi football, but we mentioned earlier that there's gonna be um, there's gonna be some problems that you have to find a way to come across. In my own in my own website, um, where nothing in terms of size or scale compared to you guys, but we've encountered a lot of uh, hostility, a lot of people that might I don't know disagree with our take on what Iraqi football should do going forward, etc. What kind of pro what kind of um, Let's say difficulties have you encountered in terms of like uh, fans discussion and that sort of thing. <laughs> I mean, different sorts. You know, when you when you deal with two million people, there's two million different opinions. So yeah. very very difficult. Sometimes it gets very harsh as well. Especially that it, it 
targets the national team and the national team is for everyone it's, it's not for me it's not for you it's for everyone it's for the public so it's because it represents a whole nation so it's very difficult dealing with the whole nation however um we also did get massive 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 support from fans uh, uh we did get uh, loads of um uh, followers fans that were hardcore fans of us since day one um um but the most difficult times i would say was um those times <laughs> when i had or we had uh, disagreements with uh Yunus Mahmoud and obviously he's a legend of Iraqi football so when you have a, when you have a disagreement or, or an issue with a, with a star like Yunus it's never going to be easy because he's got so many fans and uh, <laughs> uh, those were very difficult times because uh, so many of his fans were attacking us but we could not we're fine it was can you can you give some context as to what the disagreement was over with Yunus um so basically it was about uh, the same issue always about the expert players and um, to, to be fair I'm just I don't want to go into details uh, much but uh, he had his different approach of how to treat these players or or, or whether these players should be accepted in the national team to begin with, whether they should be accepted or not. So this was a disagreement. And, you know, if, you, if I think about it now, I think it's normal because it's a new culture, you know, and it's normal in any culture. When something new is implemented into your culture or into your workplace or into your society, you're always going to have this sort of um, feeling that this thing is not welcome, this is new, and especially back in the Middle East. It's more common, you know, and accepting yeah. new things is not very, is not very easy. Easy. So, so that's why we had this disagreement with him, and he wasn't really accepting this idea of supporting these players, uh, and him being Iraq's number one star uh, those days. Uh, it wasn't also easy for him that uh, you know not all not all the media attention was always on him. So we were, we, as you said, you know, we were we were being a few one show. We were getting more fans, but then. We were publishing mostly about these kind of players, not 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 units or the other local players. And the reason was in those days, literally nobody knew about these players. So we were the only media outlet to publish about them. So yeah. we needed that. We needed to support these players. We needed to publish on them. But I, but as you see now, for example, we've learned from the experiences, and now everyone knows and everyone is aware that we have players abroad. We don't really publish about them. If you're aware, you know. Well, as, as we were speaking right now, Safat Hadi joined the chat. So clearly, it's not just the experts. No, it's not it's just the yeah. experts, you know. Uh, now we've expanded, we publish everything, we even cover the Iraqi League, but, but, you know, everything has its own stage. So, in that stage, we needed to publish, we needed to focus on local, uh, for expert players, sorry, only. But now, everyone is aware of them. As I said, uh, we just publish on everyone and everything that relates to Iraqi football. In terms of your support for the expat players, there's yeah. you've done so much to get them into the national team, etc., how has that situation changed over the last few years? I mean, there was a lot of a lot of difficulties then. There sim seems to exist to remain like continued difficulties. What's yeah. happened over the years in terms of your perspective and your opinion? Um, as I said, you know, when I was explaining about the issue with Eunice, it was not really an issue with Eunice. It was an issue with the whole footballing football society mentality, thaqafa. Mentality, obviously, yes. Um, so. This mentality wasn't really accepting such players um, as they would be treated as complete foreigners. Yeah. Which, by the way, I'm not gonna completely be against them because 
you know, these players, they all grew in different cultures, they all have different quality. So it was always an issue of how do we get them along. Um, now, getting the players along with each other, that wasn't the biggest issue, to be fair, because at the end of the day, they're just teammates, you know, they have to get along. But then convincing their officials, convincing coaches, local coaches back in the days, FA officials, this was the most annoying bit because if you hold a position like you're an FA member or you're responsible for the national team, I think it's your duty that you be responsible for everyone and you treat, you treat everyone fairly, right? Of course. And unfortunately, it wasn't the case in many, many ways. Uh, why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? I mean, I have my own ideas as to why these problems uh, existed and continue to exist. But before I actually discuss them, I'd like to hear your opinion on this. Uh, it's, it's, it's mainly because, uh, you know, these players, as I said, they come from far places. You know, they don't live in Iraq. They're not, they're not within, they're not introduced within this football society in Iraq. They don't come out from the Iraqi football system, from the Iraqi leagues. So, uh, and also sometimes it's financial reasons. You know, the FA didn't really have the best financial uh, strategies and management, so they always struggle financially. So these players, those days as well, they would cost the FA tickets and, and all of that. So it was it was really it was really a whole series of issues that that leaded to so many issues as well. So many reasons, sorry, that leaded to so many issues. Like so many reasons why wouldn't these players be called up in so many different years? Uh, you know, we started by I mean, let's put it this way. If it wasn't for IQ Pro, none of these players would have been called during those days. None of them. Yeah. Because simply, there's no, there's no scout by the FA, by the Football Federation, yeah. that would go and look after these players. There's no coach that's interested to call them up. There's no FA official that's interested to help out, to, to be interested enough to, to know, to be aware of players who, who play abroad to come help the national team, to get, to get them a call up. And there's, there's also the financial limitations there in terms of them being able to actually carry that out, which you guys are like taking the burden off. Yeah, I, I did say, yeah, of course I mentioned that. So, so it was it was really difficult. So we had to, we had sometimes to push throughout the media, social media, which we had, and even on media, we, we did come out, me and my colleagues, we did come out in many different TV channels to raise awareness of these players to say, hey, listen, we've got these talents, Iraqis, who are professional players professional footballers, they're active in professional leagues in Europe, why don't we just call them up? Maybe they would help us. And then, again, 2015 was a year which we proved to everyone that we had a point and we were right. Because in 2015 Asian Cup, as, know, as, as all the fans are aware, you know, it's the second best result in Iraq's history in terms of Asian Cup. Yeah. And uh, during that year, we had four players in the national team, uh, two so three of them were always starting, so we had Yasser Kassel, yeah. we had Ahmed Yassin, and we had Justin as well. Yeah. And Osama uh, Rashid was the other one. Osama as well was there, he was a substitute, and he started, I think, one of the games. Yeah, against Palestine. Palestine. So, you see, in that year, we did prove that something can come up from these guys. And then Yasser Kassel became, you know, I would say, almost the best player, if not the best player in the national team. He won the best player of the year award, and then uh, after that... Yasin was good for was Yasin was very good for the national team as well for many years. Uh, Justin as well, especially in the past three years, he's been the most influential player for the national team. So uh, 
so we did prove that you know there there are talents uh, Iraqi talents abroad that, that they can actually they can actually help they can actually improve their level they can actually bring addition to the national team so that's the whole point of this whole project you mentioned um, the four players that were chosen for the Asian Cup in 2015. Um, yeah. There seems to be a recurring theme in the Iraqi squad selection where it's always four experts that are chosen. Some people say that this is like a kind of a, a number that the FA have put as a quota to limit experts in the, in the squad. Some people say, no, that's nonsense, it's coincident. What's your thoughts on this? I mean, I'd like to think it's a coincidence. But then it every single again, time again and again. <laughs> but you know what? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I, I don't remember me mentioning that it's it's done purposely anytime. Not on Facebook, not anywhere. Yeah. Because uh, sometimes I'm aware of more details than anyone else in terms of calling these players. Because the management of the national team is always in touch with me because they know I'm always there to help, and especially in terms when it comes to calling up these players. So I'm always there to help. They call me. For support, I, I help in the call-ups, in the official letters, you know, and all that. So um, sometimes, like I would say, let me use 2000, uh, let me use uh, 2019 Asian Cup as an example. And yeah. that year, in that in that tournament, we were supposed to have, uh, we were supposed to have six players. Uh, okay. Instead of four, we had or three. I think it was only uh, three. It was only three. Yeah. So we were supposed to have five. Sorry. Uh, no, so we had France, yeah. we had Yasin, yeah. and we had Osama. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But then Justin was supposed to be there as well. Yeah. He got injured, uh, didn't he? He got injured. Yeah. And then we had Salata as well. So we were, there were supposed okay. to be five players instead of four. But right. then Justin had, had to carry out his uh, surgery, had to do surgery those times, and he didn't join. And then, funny enough, even Hauber Mustafa was in the professional squad of that tournament. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, those are the times where, you know, the coach wants to give him a chance, but he also got injured. That's why yeah. six, I remember it now. He also got injured. He fractured his, uh, his ankle, I think, those days, yeah. if you remember. So there yeah. were supposed to be six players in that team, but sometimes they just got unlucky. Sometimes uh, issues happen with different players at different times. So let's say we have a game next month versus X team, and then we're expecting to have five players, four players. And then one player gets injured, this other player wants to stick it down in a certain way, then he he has an issue and then he fights with the national team management and he doesn't end up coming and then they just uh, remove him from the squad. So there's always these issues that happens all the time. Um, in terms of, let's say, fights, or maybe fights is the wrong way, let's say disagreements. So there was the recently Justin Miram went on, um, on live Instagram and there was, there was a discussion um, with another another TV presenter about the difficulties he's faced yeah. and the kind of disagreements with Katanich and Frank De Boer, who's is is a was then his manager. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think this means for Justin in terms of going forward? Would he be welcome back? Do you think he will come back? And um, how regularly does this actually happen? Because obviously you're privy to information that happens in the background of what of the team selections, the management. Fans don't actually hear about it all the time. How regularly do these problems happen? Uh, it happens quite often, to be honest with you, because we don't have the best uh, systems in, term of, in terms of the Iraqi FA. So in every selection... 
every time the national team comes together for a game, there's an issue with one of the players. And not only the experts, by the way. Are we talking logistical or like what? Mostly logistical. Uh, mostly logistical. And I don't mean on the experts, by the way. There's always issues with different players. All the squad. So this player would have an issue with his passport. Other player would have an issue with his tickets. The other player, they can't get hold of him. And then uh, the person who's trying to contact him gets takes it personally and then he fights with him. <laughs> so there's always these type yeah. of issues. And that's, that's, that all comes to, in my opinion, that all comes to one reason. Uh, it's because we didn't have a proper system uh, that, you know, everyone can follow. We didn't have specific laws for these uh, situations. Yeah, because, like protocols, right? Uh, pro- protocols, exactly. So if, if you're a player, let's say, and you know what's for you and what's your, what are your duties, uh, what do you have to do, uh, how do you have to do it? Then you just follow it. But then every time there's a different system, different protocol, different way of doing things. So these issues will always are always going to be there if things don't get fixed. Now, uh, positive, positively, uh, hopefully now there's new FA. Uh, hopefully things are going to get better. Uh, they will improve. They will work on improving these issues. Uh, you did also ask me about Justin. Uh, you asked me about the future of Justin. Uh, look, the current situation is, to be honest with you, we have a national team and we have a coach who's a foreigner coach. Uh, how I see it and how I try to uh, make this opinion the opinion of IQ Pro because uh, I also have other people working with me in IQ Pro and uh, it's not always what I believe in 100% because <laughs> so I'm not that much of a data. Anyways, so what I think now is we have a coach currently that's that's achieving their results at least in the qualifiers, which we all hope for. Yeah. And uh, that's it. You, you really can't do much. You know, uh, it's always his selection. Uh, uh, the coach did call up so many for uh, so many expert players uh, in the beginning. Uh, he thinks now, from a pure football reason, that uh, it's better for his team that he would go with only a specific type of players. And you really can't discuss much because, uh, uh, you know, uh, he's doing, he's achieving the results which we want. At the end of the day, what we want is we want our national team to make it through the World Cup. We don't, you know, it's, it's not a priority. Who does it? Obviously, I'll be much happier if X player or Y player would do it. But even the players need to understand this, that when you're in the international team, you need to bring addition, you need to help. Uh, there's issues which have resulted in why many players under, uh, underperformed uh, in many cases. I understand that. That's why um, that's why we always publish about it. That's why we are discussing right now to remove these issues. But at the end of the day, it's a national team. It's a coach. You can't do much about it, right? You know, he, it's just his decision. He calls up whatever players he wants. And as I said, now he's getting the results uh, we all want. Not me, not anyone else can, can say much. Now, if his, if his technique is not working, his, if his strategy is not working, if he's not getting the right results, then obviously there's something there's something wrong. And then he would need to change his squad, he needs to change his way. However, I do think that uh, players like Justin and even Yasin, I do think they still have a chance with the national team because uh, they're still active, they're still on their good times, you know, they're not very old. Uh, and I think. Uh, uh, that at one point they would be called up again, uh, especially in the final qualifi- qualifiers when things will get really difficult. You know, yeah. we're going to be facing like, like uh, we're going to be facing teams like uh, Japan, Australia, 
Korea. That's hopefully for you continue to qualify. Hopefully. Yeah. So, um, two kind of questions that leads me to number one: Do you think we'll qualify for the World Cup realistically? And number two: What have you made of um, of Katanich so far? We know that the um, the results have been good. We know that the only in the qualifiers, in the qualifiers, and within the um, the other cups that, uh, that we've taken part in. But but listen, um, and the other and the other tournaments, other cups, which is what only golf cup. Yeah, there, and the West Asian cup. West yeah. Asian cup. These tournaments, we would never consider it as a good result unless we get the tournament, unless yeah. we win it. So runner, runner up, runners up, semi-finals. Yeah. Even though, despite the the fact that we went into the golf cup with most of our players injured and missing, would you? Uh, look, uh, the golf cup is not an official tournament. Yeah, of course, FIFA. of but course. But I mean, if I'm to defend Katnich, I'd say that the teams we played were very difficult. We played against no, Qatar, no. etc. No, no, no. He 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 wanted that squad. No one else wanted it, so he could have put. Many of the players, because all the players in Sweden were available, uh, players from USA were available as well. You see, uh, Ali Adnan was there. He's from the MLS. Yeah. So these players from these leagues were were still available for him to call up, but he wanted that squad. So it's his uh, it's his choice. Uh, what was your question? <laughs> so in in terms of um, let's let's stick to the World Cup qualifiers. And what have you made of Katinich's performance as manager? Okay, in terms of World Cup, I think, uh, as you said, results were being good, especially winning Iran. It was the key, uh, it was the highlight of the qualifiers for us so far. Yeah. Because winning Iran, Iran is, is always like a derby, so it's always special, winning Iran and winning Saudi Arabia. And last minute uh, especially, is icing on the cake. Last minute. Uh, so results have been fine, uh, good. Uh, we didn't manage to win Bahrain, but we drew in their, in their home. Uh, which was very good. Away points from Bahrain, uh, good uh, three points, home points uh, for Iran. Uh, but uh, whether we're going to be able to continue this uh, in the upcoming matches, um, uh, I'm not sure to be honest with you because uh, I don't even think Qatar should be would know what's going to happen next because you know Corona has happened now. All the fo- all the football leagues have stopped. Uh, no national team matches for a while. Um, and I just speak to a few people in the national team, the management, even they don't know what's going to happen. And and they think what has happened uh, is very, very bad for our national team because we're in good position now. We're the leaders of the group. Things might have, things might twist and change after football returns. Um, Safat so Hadi obviously recently joined his new club and... Um... He's been he's been online uh, posting his his training and yeah. his new uh, his new kind of uh, home workouts essentially. Now this is something I was discussing on my Twitter page, um, and we were looking at the kind of the improvements that Iraqi football will experience hopefully as a result of players from um, yeah. from the Middle East or from the Iraq especially moving abroad and getting a better idea of the the. The sports nutrition, the dietary uh, understandings of how to maintain their fitness, how to train and be fit at home. Do you have uh, like concerns that when we come back, a lot of the players will be um, will be unfit and unable to continue like uh, training properly? 
or do you do you think from your experience with the players they know enough to able to be able to come back and be still sharp etc well, well I, I can talk to many players uh, and I ask them about this and to be honest with you uh, yeah they can keep fit they can train at home and everything but it's never the same yeah. uh, they still need uh, football training because you see when players go without when players go off season they need what, two months off yeah. season uh, two months prepare, preparations to be ready again to be fit again for the season and I do think it will be an issue, not only for us, to be fair, for everyone. Because, you see, uh, players have been at home for a while now, one, two, three months. Uh, no football. It will be a big issue for everyone. And I, I did read yesterday that uh, FIFA is discussing that for this season, they might introduce uh, five substitutes uh, rule okay. <laughs> instead of three. Right. Uh, so for like fatigue and injuries. Yeah, it would allow teams to use more players during those times because it's difficult times. Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, when it comes to Iraqi players and Middle Eastern in general, obviously we all know and we're all aware that uh, the way they keep on track, the way they the way they they, they try to keep fit is, is different from European players because European players, they're, you know, they're used to it. Uh, it's part of their daily life routine. They diet as well. Any rock power diet is not really mm, the Having baguette libidin for breakfast, for example. <laughs> yeah, it's not the best. You know. uh, we all know, like, for example, when I'm, like, I'm trying to get fit and then you come home, you, you see all this Iraqi yeah. food, you know, it's not very easy. Domo, Paji. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, Safat Hadi, he's, he's been working hard. Ali Adnan recently also came out and he had... Um, he had a, a live chat with a girl from Doha. I have no idea who she is. First time I see her. But on that chat, he, um, the question they asked them, that they asked Ali, was about his fitness. And they were asking him about the, the fitness issues he struggled with. And this has been something that has been present. I've noticed it. I've commented on it. Ali Adnan comes out and says that this is not his fault. This is the fault of the, the Iraqi FA. The, the poor planning in terms of fitness coaching, etc. What did you make of those comments? Well, no, it's normal. This is what I, what, this is what I already mentioned to you earlier. Uh, there's always going to be issues. And look, sometimes people uh, think that players are like robots. So sometimes most of the fans perhaps uh, only judge on what they see during the game. So they yeah. don't really know how did this player get to the national team, what struggles did he go through, uh, what is he feeling, you know, uh, at the end of the day, players are humans, you know, they get tired, uh, they can get emotional uh, about some stuff, you know, when they don't, when a, when a person feels that they're not treated right, you can never expect them to perform the way you want it. Of course. So, uh, when I had not moved to Canada, and even when he was in Italy, he did also see, he did also face a few difficulties in the national team. So, um, um, you know why? That's because when he when he joined these teams, he would see major differences with the way yeah. he's treated in his club and how the football system is in Italy or yeah. or in the MLS. And then he compares it to Iraq, and then he starts thinking, "What are we doing in Iraq? You know, this is not how we do yeah. things." So it's normal, and this is why many of the players who, who play in clubs abroad they don't even perform well on the national team because you know what? If you let's say you're a player in, in Sweden, 
and or in Portugal, and then you have a game with the national team in Thailand. <laughs> you know, you need to count the fly, flying hours. You need to count how many hours do you need. The layovers. Lagging, you know, uh, to get used to the new country, the weather, and everything. So this is always an issue, and we don't. Obviously, it's an issue for everyone. But then someone might say. Uh, but don't other players from other countries do fly the same way? Yes, they do. But the difference is, first of all, they, they fly with the first class ticket, with the yeah. business ticket, with the fastest routes, and then everything they need to be provided to them. But for us, you know, many, in many cases, the players would fly in an economy ticket yeah. where a kid next to him is crying. Uh, the seats are crammed. Exactly. So. Yeah. So again, Justin, we mentioned earlier, he, he was talking about how his flights. From, from the US all the way to uh, to Iraq or wherever the games were, and Qatar, for example, they would normally involve like three layovers. And um, I've seen, for example, some of the uh, the flights that these players take. They've sent me like pictures. They've asked me not to share it, which is why I haven't posted anywhere. But like the chairs that they are sat on, this much legroom. So, of course, a player that goes through all that flights, all those layovers, they can't be expected to perform at their, at their you peak. Know, you know, this topic has been a, a, a big issue, has been has been, has been been very annoying topic for me, especially, uh, for the past five years. And I reached this level where I, I don't even bother myself anymore to be annoyed much because it happens every single time. And every single time... Uh, players, they would just contact me firstly, and they would complain. They were like, "What's what's this ticket? How how are people gonna expect us yeah. for, to perform and look at our ticket? How do how do they expect us to do well while we're being treated this way and that way?" And always, every time, it makes the players feel unfair. And we did try to say this. We did try to bring it up in media. We did try to bring it up to the to the FA officials, but then they would just say, "Listen, this is what we got." Whether you like it, whether you like it or not, accept it or not, this is what we got. If you like it, if you can't cope with it, you're welcome to come and play. If you don't like it, no one's forcing you to come and play. Simple answer you get. They uh, they claim that this is to do with like um, lack of finances, etc. Me yeah. and you, we've discussed like one of the the main reasons that Iraqi FA struggle financially, and we said it's to do a lot with just not being able to utilize what they have, and. Um, we discussed in terms of ways that they can actually be using the the Iraqi league to be making money, etc. What what are your thoughts on like ways they can actually start developing projects to fund themselves, fund better flights for their players, etc. Well, the problem is with the, with the previous FA, they, they did face many problems, but their biggest uh, their biggest issue was uh, they were too busy uh, fighting their opponents. Uh, they were too busy uh, trying to keep. Uh, they were too busy trying to stay in their positions, so they didn't really focus much on developing the football. And I'm gonna doubt as well their ability of, of developing the football because a football association doesn't only consist of football players, for yeah. example. It would consist. It would consist. It's a whole company. It's a whole organization. So you would need football experts. You would need marketing experts. You would need different sorts of you yeah, know, financial marketing obviously so I think the, the FA uh, really did, really lacked uh, these positions uh, I don't think they've done it the right way uh, the only way they were doing it is by requesting the government for funds 
for the national teams to travel each and every time, each and every time. They never really made money from national team. They really made money from the league. They really made money from anything. And uh, it's funny how a Facebook page, a website like mine, or like even others, they can they can manage to get sponsorships and funding. But then an organization like the FA, which holds the complete copyrights and legal rights of the football in Iraq, they can't manage to make uh, any funding out of it. It's, it's crazy, you know. Of so course. What, whatever, whatever excuse we want to give them, I don't think it would be enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean... We tried to approach this from, a, let's say, a, a fair and impartial perspective without sharing our own opinion about the Iraq FAI. Of course, I feel a very certain, specific way about it, but for your sake, I'm going to try to avoid the words I'm thinking of, which is khamata. But let's ignore that for now. Um, in terms of the... Um, what was I going to ask again? It's completely gone out of my mind. Oh, yeah, sorry. In terms of your role in the Iraqi FA, do you think that you you like what what's the extent of your power within Iraqi football? I should ask because you get I'm not I'm sure you're aware of it actually I'm sure you're aware of it. A lot of people accuse your association of being too powerful of being what they call maslachia within Iraqi football. Do you how would you uh, fight these accusations? Now listen, it's, as I said, it's no secret that we started our platform supporting these players. We were the only platform to actually publish on these players. It's no secret. Now, we tried to explain many times that we're no agents. We make no money from this. Uh, we did make funding from sponsorships. We made it very clear. Our system is very clear, very straightforward, nothing to hide. But then, with all of these things that we raise all these points and try to explain. If you still doubt us, then I don't think the issue is with us <laughs> because maybe there's an issue with your understanding of things. Uh, and I, I don't think it's smart of us, for example, to be agents with all this power we have and then we don't even announce it because we would simply just go to every player and then tell them, listen, sign us, and then we get you a, a good deal or something, right? So I don't think it's a smart idea of it. Uh, again, of course, we're effective, I'm not going to lie, because we have 2 million followers, 2 million people are are, are aware of what we publish, of what we say, read to what, what, what we publish, it's normal. But then, I don't think we went extreme at any point where we were harmed for the national team or something. At the end of the day, this is media, and I'm sure you... You see, first of all, that come on TV, you see the way they speak, the way they bring topics up. <laughs> I think that's an issue, not, not us, not, not our platform. Um, um, this is all I can say, really. I can't just spend all my life explaining my point, explaining where I come from, explaining what we do. Uh, and again, it's a human nature that we focus on negative things, so it's normal. You know, when you hear one, two, ten, hundred negative opinions, they will stand out even from a million positive opinions. It's normal. Like, what else can we do? Of course. 
Um, you mentioned earlier about Ali Adnan in terms of his experiences going abroad and getting a better understanding of how how football is played with Udinese, Atlanta. Now he's at um, he's in Canada with Vancouver. Um, and with him now experiencing football at a different level, a more professional level, I was discussing earlier on Twitter how I hope that with players going abroad, like Mimi and now in Portugal, with um, Safat Hadi, for example. Um, let me, yeah, let me tell you about Safat Hadi, because Safat, he's a good friend of mine, and I did, uh, uh, and there's, there's a mutual trust between us. And he, he does share his opinions, frankly, with me on different sorts of topics. And Safa, he's a national team star, obviously. He's, he's a starting player for the past one year in the national team. Uh, he got his move to Russia. Russian Premier League is the sixth or seventh top league in Europe. Very good league. Yeah. Uh, so what he tells me is... He, note, he saw massive differences from the system he came from, Iraqi league, Iraqi football system, and what he saw in Russia. He was, he was surprised at everything he saw. And to him, he said, this is going to change me completely as a person and as a player to the better. Because he, in, in, in such a short time, he learned so many stuff. He learned so many different details of football, which maybe he was not aware of back in Iraq. Um, is there any I, one particular area he mentioned as like um, the the, the well, biggest thing that stood he's, out? He's he's mostly amazed by the system they have there. He's like uh, another organization. Yeah, we get back to the comments. Ahmed is saying amazing stuff about me, but I don't think I deserve all of that. Uh, we appreciate that, Ahmed. Thank you very much. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, so we kept mentioning to me that. Um, the organization they have, the way that their system works, the way everything, how everything is in place. He's, he's, very, he's very amazed. He's like, wow, where did I come from? He can't believe it. He's like, everything is well planned for us. The way we eat, the way we wake up, the way we train, what type of training we have, uh, the way all the logistics done for me as a player, the way they make me feel my value because, you know, he's a player and footballers usually become stars and then try, stars also have to be treated in the right way in Iraq I don't think we have the right <laughs> mentality to treat stars in the right way so do you think the next step for Iraqi football inshallah is that we get more players going directly from the Middle East from the uh, the Iraqi I, league abroad yes. and that will improve the, the kind of the understanding of football of training of yes. welfare yes I hope so I hope so uh, and I think so as well because you see um uh, so now we have Safa, we have Mimi. They all they, they both wanted to follow the footsteps of Ali Adnan. Yeah. Very good, very bright example. Uh, uh, we would have now the younger, so we would have the younger players uh, who would still want to do the same thing, who, who would look up for these players, who would, who would still want to go to Europe. Uh, and now you see, it's uh, we have social media, so every, so uh, even a player in Iraq would really be aware of stories. Uh, to players of of players like Muhammad Salah or, or these other players, so everyone's dream now is really to make it to Europe. And um, another important point is all Iraqis watch European football now, watch Champions League, Premier League, yeah. La Liga. So if you're if you're a young footballer in Iraq, you would always look into these leagues and you would wanna 
you would want to say, oh, you know what, my dream is to play in DC one day, and you would always want to work for it. And this is what this was the main motive for Safa, to be honest. And even for me, it's always, it's always their motive. Safa, Safa's dream is to play in one of the top leagues, top teams in two years. And he believes he can do it because, you know, before he, he told me two years ago, yeah. So he, he was telling me two years ago his dream was to move to Europe and he made his dream come true. And now his next dream is to move to a top European team. So this is when you have faith in yourself, you have this right motive and you have the right uh, tools to do it. Uh, we don't have the best tools in Iraq, but I think motive, motivation is, is very big in Iraq for the players. Um, another reason is because Many players, young players, they did see the career, they did see how careers of many of the older players ended. You know, the older players, they spend most of their lives in the golf region. And, you know, they didn't really make much out of it. You know, they were national team legends, but then they would only be playing in Qatar or, you know, or UAE. But then maybe they could have played in Europe, they could have played Champions League. Uh, you see, we had Hawa, for example. He played in Champions League. Scored in the Champions League. Scored in the Champions League. So if Howard could do it, Safa and Mimi, they made it to Europe. Ali Adnan did it in a top European league. I'm sure other players could do it as well. Um, so there's a few things I want to touch on there that you've mentioned. It's very interesting points. You mentioned, first of all, uh, players that amazing in the national team didn't quite do it on the club level because they decided to stay within the Khalij. Um the ones that come to mind are Yunus and Neshet, obviously. Neshet, although he moved to FC20, uh, he's a friend of mine, we talk uh, regularly, and he told me like his biggest regret is leaving 20 so soon after he got injured. Yunus, again, is an odd one. I mean, what do you know about Yunus as to, uh, and why he, he, didn't, he didn't go to one of the, the big leagues? I mean, back in 2007, there was this rumour, I'm pretty sure you've come across it as well, that... He had a, He was interested in going to. I think it was Marseille. No, Lyon. Lyon, and he didn't go because he didn't. He couldn't take his family. Is that true or? Yeah. Yeah, he confirmed it. Uh, he did say leaving at a young age. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, back in the days, until now, actually, until recent, we, we we never had this culture of young players leaving their families, leaving very far away from Iraq to go try their luck abroad in Europe. Um, it's, uh, we can't compare it to to the stories of Northern African players because Algerians, Moroccans, they were always in Europe since a long time. You see. Uh, it was way easier for them always to make it through to, uh, in Europe and to transfer. But for us, Iraqis, we're, we're not in Europe until recent. So now it's way easier. You see, now when, when, when Safa goes to Russia, there's many Iraqis around in Russia, which can help him, makes it easier for him. When um, uh, Mimi goes to Portugal, I'm sure there's going to be a few Arabs as well that she get to know. When no, Osama Rashid's there now. <laughs> so. You see... And now there's social media, it's easy to communicate with your family. But, but back in the days, it wasn't very easy. It wasn't very easy at all. Now, this is the, these are the reasons which are outside the, the, the football pitch. 
let's speak football reasons as well, football-wise. It's also difficult because when you come from Middle Eastern uh, football system, uh, Middle Eastern football of play, Asian as well, it's very, very uh, slow compared to European football. Yeah. And I think speed is the key thing in football now. Why do you think, why, why, why is the Premier League considered the best league in the world? Because in my life, I've been to many matches, I would say. I've never seen speed like the one it is in England. Everyone is just very quick. Everyone is very powerful, strong. You see, you don't have the time you need with a football. Everyone, every time someone's tackling you. So, football in Europe is way different than football in the Middle East. Because of this, it's way faster way stronger you don't have the time you need when you have the fo- when you have the ball uh, as in in Iraq or in Saudi in Qatar you know let's say you're a midfielder you have all the time you need when you have the ball you have all the time you need to decide what to do with the ball so this is a key a key difference as well uh, that players really need to adjust to when they come to Europe they need to learn how to be quicker they need to be how to be stronger that's 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 really the main thing. So how that's did really how what have you uh, what have you made of Mimi's move to Portugal so far? Because that's, that's a very good example of somebody going from the Qatar in the Iraqi league, where Portuguese league hundred times faster. What, what did you make of his, his few performances? He didn't play much. Well, uh, in IQ Pro, we had uh, a statement from his coach, from his uh, uh, assistant coach, which is also Iraqi. If you if you read it. Um, he said it better than me. He said Mimi is a very good talent, but he needs more time in Europe. And I really, really, really wish Mimi doesn't uh, go back to the Middle East. He needs to wait. He needs to wait for his chance. He needs yeah. to adapt. Because you can't really adapt in one month or two months. No. You see, even big players sometimes fail to adapt in the first season. They need a whole season or two. Uh, a friend of Hazard, last time I was there, uh, he was telling me, that Hazard was really complaining about the system in Spain. It's different from England, uh, about how everyone's tackling him in Spain. But then Hazard was telling him that he needs... He, Hazard was saying that by next season, everyone's going to see Hazard like the top star in yeah. Real Madrid. So even top stars sometimes struggle. So I really hope Mimi gives his, himself a fair chance. I do speak to him, to his family. And I do tell them this, and I'm sure he knows this as well. He knows the value of European football. His club, the way the, the one he's in now, although he's he's only a lone player, they believe in him. Uh, if I was him, I would go to, I would go, I would be kind of extreme, and I would even stay with my club, even if they go second division. Yeah. It would really help me, help boost my confidence yeah. and get used to that system. But I don't think he would do it. Um, and also, you know, Mimi was supposed to transfer to Celtic. Um, I did insist the last second to the last day that he would move to Celtic. And they did offer him an official contract. They did everything for him. He did the medical for Celtic in Qatar. But he never got the work permits. So they just had to move him to uh, to uh, to Portugal. And I, I think he still has a fair chance to move to Celtic or to Scotland. Uh, Mimi's got a good chance in Europe. Uh, What's Mimi's best uh, characteristics? It's his speed. He's got a power. So these are the main two things needed in Europe. I think with just the right mindset, uh, the right uh, way of doing things, he can make it in Europe. I hope he stays in Europe. Um, 
Uh, and I, I do believe in him. He's a good talent. I mean, he's a very good talent. He could, he could, he could end up being our greatest striker in the history of Iraq because he's young and at his age, his scoring, uh, 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 scoring percentage is, is very high for his yeah. age compared to other players when they were in his age. He so, scored big goals as well, not just a random against other small teams. Exactly, he scored big goals. Uh, so. For example, Yunus or Hussein uh, Saeed, I think they had less scoring percentage when they were in his age. So Mimi has really got a good chance. He just needs to keep going, you know. Uh, football is about constancy. Football is all about being constant and trying to perform the same way in different seasons. So. So Mimi actually mentioned earlier, um, not sorry, uh, yeah, Mimi on, on his live, he talked about how there was actual offers from Juventus, offers from and Man City. He confirmed that, I, I knew there was, but when he confirmed it, that was kind of like the, the seal. But Mimi refused to actually talk about some of the difficulties as to why those moves didn't go ahead. Would you be able to shed any light into that? Okay, uh... Mimi didn't have real offers. Yeah. He had uh, up something like 15 real offers from different European clubs. And I was aware of them because I I was speaking to his agent and he shared many of them with me. Yeah. And the Juventus offer, the real official offer, we exclusively published it on IQ Pro from our inner sources. It was a real offer. They wanted to sign him. But why did Mimi go to Qatar? Uh, his choice... His, his family as well, his choice, uh, Qatar's uh, offer was way uh, more than uh, uh, any of the European sides offer, one thing. Another thing is um, uh, uh, his club, Sherpa Club, wanted him to go to Qatar more than anywhere else. So Was, was that financially offered, motivated? Yeah, of course, financially motivated. So Sherpa, Sherpa really uh, uh, advised him, and uh, I can't say push, but uh, they were happier with the Qatari offers. So they told him to go to Qatar as well, and he listened. And Qatar's offer was the best out of all the other offers as well. Was that there was also like last minute complications with Safa Hadi's move? Was that similar uh, for um, for him with the Sherpa? No, with Safa is different because uh, the thing is with Mimi, uh, uh, Mimi is uh, a player of Ashurpa since he was young. So he came out through the football system of Ashurpa. But with Safa, he, he only stayed there for half a season. He came from Al Zawra. But then, look, I don't want to speak much about Safa's issue with Ashurpa, but they, I, they didn't treat him the right way. They didn't treat him well. They were not really they, they were they were not really helping him a lot and i remember on uh, uh once on twitter someone was commenting and he refused to believe what i was saying on this matter and he was saying why did why would safa not say this you know he, he wasn't believing what i was saying and then next a week later safa comes live on tv and says it all himself safa has moved to russia i was involved since day one day by day I was there. I, I, I knew each and every single detail, and I, and I, I do believe. I do think that Sherpa should have to to suffer in a better way. This is all I can say. I've got so many questions to ask you, but I want to, I want to wrap this up without taking too much of your time, Yusuf. Um, but it's always, always amazing speaking to you. 
Uh, I'm always learning a lot about football, getting your own thoughts about the game, etc. It's always fascinating to chat. Um, just a few more questions. In terms of difficulties, which player would you say has... Um, did you experience the most difficulties with in terms of getting them to the national team? Is there one player that faced a lot more scrutiny than another or is there nobody that yeah. stands out? There's always difficulties. <laughs> but uh, Justin was really difficult because his legal case was almost impossible. His hometown uh, in, uh, in Nineveh, next to Mosul, yeah. uh, uh, it fell under ISIS control a few years ago. This was under 2015, uh, right? 2014, and all the records of his family were burned down by ISIS, and they couldn't really find any trace of him. So we couldn't really prove that he was originally Iraqi, except for expired old passports and some paperwork with his, which his parents has. But you know how the system in Iraq is, even if you have a passport, they have to go to a sigil. A sigil is something like the record of your family. So every, fam every person in Iraq has a record, and this government record uh, to trace where you come from. So they couldn't find that for Justin. We stayed in his case for a year, a full year, just trying to figure out, just trying to fix his paperwork. Uh, we had this, we had a huge social media campaign. We got TV channels involved. We got politicians involved, member of parliament, members of parliament, uh, minister of sports as well. He really helped back in the days. Abdul Hassan Abbad, and I need to, I, I really need to mention him. That minister was always supportive. Of, uh, in, in different topics, he was. He was. I think he was a good minister. Uh, he supported athletes. Um, and personally, I uh, I had uh, some. You know, he helped in, in, in the issues like the one with Justin. So yeah, I think Justin's issue was the, the most difficult one in terms of getting his paperwork done from Iran. In terms of convincing a player to come play for Iran, I think. Um, I think the most embarrassing or difficult situation I've been through with a player was Rawis Lawin, if you remember him. <laughs> yeah, I do. Kurdish so origins, yes? Yeah, so Rawis Lawin, he was a player uh, from Sweden. and uh, He played in Denmark. He was with the Danish champions. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we spoke to Zico. Uh, and Zico decided to finally call him up. He wanted to call him up. He was We're talking 2011 here, right? 2012, 11, 12. And then the player initially agreed and he would say he would join the national team. So they would send him a ticket and everything, a call up, so he would come to Iraq, finish his paperwork and play with Zico for the national team. And then everything's everything is fine, you know. And then out of out of blue, he just the player just comes up and says, So I can't show up for the national team. I can't join. And this was a really difficult uh, uh, moment for us because it, it, it put us in, in a very bad situation in front of Zico and the whole national team stuff. This was a very difficult time as well for me, I remember. Uh, uh, G1 as well. Uh, we, we've always wanted G1. We've always wanted G1 to come play for Iraq. Uh, there was always difficulties because the thing is with G1, he was always in Sweden before we even knew he was Iraqi. So he was always with the Swedish national teams since he was 15 18, 20, 22, 23. He was always called up for Sweden. So he was always playing for Sweden. And we always wanted him for Iraq as well. But you know, let's not be too uh, perfectionists. Uh, 
I think if anyone in his, I think if anyone was in his position where you know he was raised in Sweden, he played for their national team since a young age. It's not very, it's not very easy uh, choice you make to to give up Sweden and come join Iraq. You know, he was raised in Sweden, right? Course, he played for all the national teams. Um, but to be fair, I'm I'm gonna say this for the records. Since day one, G1 was always open for Iraq. He was always open. He never said no. I don't want to play for Iraq or any clubs. No, he was always open. But he was in Sweden until this moment came where he decided. Uh, oh, and by the way, 2018 World Cup, he was in the he was in the squad for Sweden. Yeah. He was in the 30 man squad yeah. for Sweden. Uh, so it was something massive, you know. He was gonna get a World Cup uh, career in Sweden. It didn't happen. He was not in the final squad, and then he thought it was the right choice to come play for Iraq. And I don't see anything wrong with that. Uh, if, if any player, anywhere, any person who can help Iran, can help the national team, we should always welcome him. Of course. For our, for our own good, not for his. Right? Yeah. So, finally, after many years, G1 decided to play for Iraq. Uh, we informed Katanich, the national team. Uh, they were happy as well. They called, they, got, they gave him a call up straight away because, you know, a player like G1 with a, with a, with a very good CV played in Bundesliga, played European football. They called him up, but again, things didn't go <laughs> the way we, we hoped for. And I don't want to speak on G1 and Xbox. Uh, I read a comment from Ali Al-Assad. He asked about Bashar as well. And I think uh, when he when, when I read that comment, I remember something, that every player that comes to the national, joins the national team, they always tell me about Bashar, by the way. They always tell me Bashar, some, some of them, they even say, Bashar, we think he's the only player that can make it in Europe because he's very talented, uh, Bashar Hussain. He's very skillful uh, and he's, he's really, he really have improved when he went to Iran. And I think Bashar is, one of, is definitely one of the players that can easily make it, not easily, but he can make it in Europe. He just, work, he just needs to work on his physique a little. And we started now talking about like the players that are going to hopefully take us to the next step, which takes me to one of the final questions I want to ask you today, Yusuf, which is, what are the future stars or the future players for Iraqi football and who have you identified as the, the players you now want to bring forward to the national team? Well, we have the Olympic team players, which never really got the right chance to play in the Asian tournament. Uh, Why was that? Different reasons. Paperwork, um, Amir was in the team. He scored in yeah. the only game he played. It was not even. It was like he came on as a substitute, barely a yeah. full match. Yeah, he scored. But uh, Amir, uh, Amir Lamar, he's a very good talent. I think he has a good future with the national team. But then he was not ready in that tournament, according to the national team staff. So they said uh, physically he was off season as well in Sweden. So this was an issue. Uh, other players, I think Ali Al Hamadi. I think he's a very good talent. He plays for Swansea now. Um, the only thing Ali needs is first-team football. Uh, uh, so I, I really hope he goes to a loan, League 2 or something, plays first-team football. I think it's going to help him a lot and boost his uh, confidence and his level a lot. Uh, we have, uh, as you see in my right connection, we have uh, Ahmed, uh, Ahmed Hassan from Denmark. I think he's a good striker as well. And then we have the most talented one, uh, Luai. Luai is an amazing... Yeah talent, very skillful, 
but Luai needs to do things in the right way. So I, I don't. I think Luai needs to put his mindset in, in the right path and um, put his thinking together uh, because I think Luai has a great future. And I think I think these players in general are the future of Iraqi football. And of course, there's few young talents always in the Iraqi league. You know, Iraq is 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 a wide Iraqi. You know, football is a white thing in Iraq. You know, it's, it's the most, uh, it's the most popular sport in Iraq. Everyone plays football in Iraq, so there's always going to be new talented players. And uh, it's just that we need the right system to qualify these players. You see, a player, a player is like a product, is a final product. Uh, we can't always treat players as a core material, as a raw material which we just got. You know, our raw talent come from the CK national team. This was kind of an issue for Iraq. We need to change this. And I hope the new federation would know this. Because the 2007 national team, which we were all happy with, you know, players there, we called them legends. They won us the Asian Cup. How did that happen? That didn't just happen out of blue without planning. No. These players were with Amu Baba since a very little age. You know, they, they were training since a very little age. They got together. Um, they went through so many different tournaments. And then back in the days, in 2000, late 90s, there was much better football system in Iraq. There was the youth football leagues, you know, where a young player can get playing time. Uh, these are the steps which we need to improve, to improve our level. You see, I was, I was with the Olympic team before the Asian tournament in Bahrain. And, um, me, and I have a good connection with him. I have a good relation with him, Abdul Ghani Shahad. And then... He was complaining a lot about the fact that uh, young players in Iraq don't even get playing time. Real young players in Iraq don't get playing time. Um, you'd be surprised that you know the Iraqi league, 20 teams, you could even barely find any players under 23 playing. Everyone is just not real age, and then everyone else is older. That's so that's mostly because they don't have a youth system or reserve squad or reserve yeah. league, so exactly. the only players actually play are the first team, right? Exactly. Exactly. So they would train and then come play first team. And then before that, they would come from uh, Farid Shami, immature teams with their friends. Yeah. Uh, you know, teams of their areas. And that's it. Uh, someone asked an important question. Uh, I just want to... Oh, uh, Greasy, I think. Uh, I don't know who's that. But um, he asked about goalkeepers. Well, Nor Sabri is retired now, so he's out of the equation. Yeah, I don't think we have... Uh, I think we have an issue with the goalkeeping goalkeeper position in Iraq to be honest with you because um, uh, even in Europe we don't have much keepers the only one I could think of is the uh, the kid in De in Poland who's recently joined the big team there but I've, I've heard he's not amazing yeah, yeah uh, that player Qais Al-Ani that's yeah, a name. Uh, the issue with Qais Al-Ani is he doesn't really have any professional experience whatsoever so he's only played uh, US system he never really got first team football uh, in a professional league, so he's played first team football in an amateur league, and now he's back to his original team, his academy, his original academy team. Yeah. But they did register him in the first team squad, but uh, I don't think uh, I don't think he's going to play it. To be honest with you, so I, I really wish him the best. I think uh, he's still young; he still has a lot ahead of him. But uh, obviously, I don't think he's ready yet for any any national team football, not Olympic team, not first team. Uh, national team as well. My final question, Yusuf, which is sorry, hang on. Before we even go to the final question, you never mentioned Peter Guardis. I want to know what you guys are oh, doing about him. Oh yeah, 
Peter, uh, Peter, he's an amazing talent. Uh, for Brighton, right now, he's uh, he's made his yeah. league, he's made his debut for them in the League Cup. Still yeah. not in the Premier League. Oh uh, yeah, Peter. Uh, <laughs> Peter is an amazing talent. I think he's a uh, he has a potential to be a world class player, right? He's young. When he was Sweden, when he was in Sweden, he was he was acing it. When he came to England, he's doing very well with the under twenty threes, Brighton. He did. He had his debut with the first team football in Brighton. He had an assist in his debut. Very good player. Uh, now your question is about Peter and Iraq. I think this is this is the part where it gets tricky. I have a very good connection with his dad. Uh, we always talk. To be honest with you, I don't think Peter is anywhere close to represent Iraq at this moment. Uh, uh, currently, he's still in Sweden. Do you mean he's not close in terms of what he wants to do, or do you mean in terms of like his, his quality right now as a footballer? No, 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 not quality. No, 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 no. I think Peter's quality is, is not not doubtful. Like nobody can doubt his ability because when you're at that stage, at that young age, and then you go, you move to England. No, um, I don't think anyone can doubt his ability. But uh, I mean, currently he's in Sweden. Again, he's he's already with their national team system. Uh, Australia is in the line as well. They want him. But uh, in terms of Iraq, we would really try to work hard. Um, when we first scouted him, I really pushed, uh, I really pushed for him to get a chance in Iraq or to, to get him in touch with Iraq. So I did get him in touch with the national team, uh, with the team manager of Iraq, Basi Borges. Uh, and um, so I made them speak together. They got to know each other. Uh, but at this stage, I don't think. Um, that's going to happen. I don't think Peter's going to represent Iraq at this stage. Uh, I do hope that one day this will happen because Peter's best friend is playing for Iraq now, which is Amir. Yeah. And if Amir gets the chance to play first team football in Iraq, it's going to make uh, Peter. Uh, it's going to make it's going to make it way easier for Peter to change his mind and come play for Iraq. Inshallah, I think it's quite tough right now for Iraqi footballers where they see. As an expat, I know if I was a footballer, I'd be looking over, looking over at the FA, looking over at the uh, the problems current players uh, are they're facing there yeah. in terms of getting minutes, in terms of actually uh, being treated fairly, you might say, and it would put you off from joining there, uh, joining them. So he's he's currently probably very likely to join Sweden and play at a very high level. I think it's going to be very difficult to to sway him and convince him to actually join okay. the Arakis app. There's, there's a. I don't want to go much into philosophy, but you know what? I think every human uh, has a right to look for a better opportunity, right? And players are humans; they're no different than any of us. So me and you and everyone else, uh, every Iraqi, every human, always looks for the better opportunity for themselves. Uh, you know, we our families moved abroad for a better opportunity. It's the same story with these players, you see. Uh, for example, Bassam al-Rawi. You know, let's ignore the fact that he scored against Iraq and that issue happened. But Bassam al-Rawi, he grew up in Qatar. He was in their football system and he got his opportunity in Qatar and he played for Qatar. I, to be honest with you, I don't think there's something wrong. I don't think much is wrong with that because he got the opportunity there. Uh, his home country never really called him up. He played for Qatar. Simple as that, right? Any yeah. other player, even Gilwan, he played for Sweden because he grew up there. He got the opportunity. He took it, right? So I think I think us as football lovers, we really need to understand this. We need to excuse these players, you know, 
they got the opportunity in these countries. If they choose to present another country, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. With that, because who told you? Maybe, maybe even players in the Iraqi league, if they got an opportunity to play for other countries, maybe they would do it as well. You never know. But they just not. They just really never got the opportunity. So we just really have to be fair to the players. Uh, you have to excuse them because you know. At the end of the day, even these countries have spent money on them. They took them as refugees. You know, they helped them. They have a career because of them. So why not represent them as well? Of right? course, and uh, they must have friends within the national team and people that can persuade them to join. So Obviously. it is going to be difficult. Yusuf, my one final question. This is something yeah. somebody asked me online, and it got me thinking. And I want to throw this question back at you. Uh, if you could have. Uh, any player join us from the uh, the Iraq 2007 team and put it in this current team, who would it be and why? I think that team was successful because it was a team, to be honest with you. Uh, to be honest, I would choose, um, because now we have a striker, which is Mimi, he's scoring goals. Yeah. We have Safa and Atwan and we have many midfielders as well, which are doing fine. But I think we always have an issue with the defence now. So if there's one player I would choose, I think it would be uh, uh, Ali Hama, to be honest with you. Because uh, we never got any player, not even close to uh, Ali Abhaim, to be honest with you. Lianna, who, uh, uh, he is this type of defender which Iraq really lacks. Uh, he's the type of defender which can organize the ball from behind, he can attack, he can play in different positions as well. So I would, I would choose Ali Abhaim. I mean, obviously, Nasher and Yunus are the top stars, like no doubt. Uh, but. Uh, I have sometimes my own thinking of football because I, I, I think that in Liverpool, I think Salah and Mani are amazing. But if it wasn't for uh, Van Dijk, I don't think they would win the Champions League. So I think defence is very important. I would go for defence. Uh, that's very interesting because uh, the player I would have picked is for me is uh, Nesh Akram. But my uh, my question would would uh, if Safat wasn't here, would you say the same thing? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I would say, I would say. Uh, no, I'm joking. You can be one player with this team. So I'm thinking, this team. What does? It, what's the weakness of this team? That's the defense. Yeah. So the attack is okay with this team. We're scoring goals. Midfield is also okay nowadays. We have position in many games. We can keep the ball around. Our weakness now is defense, right? So yeah. I, that's why I choose. If you give me top three stars, obviously it's very easy to choose Yunus, Nashat, and uh, and Alarham. Amazing, Yusuf. Uh, I don't know how to thank you, man. It's always always a pleasure speaking to you. So yeah. it's a, like a, a book of knowledge of Iraqi football. Always fascinating opinions, and um, I'm I'm so happy to have you on on the show. Hopefully, it's the first of many appearances, inshallah. And hopefully, we could also meet face to face once this quarantine is over. Uh, Stay safe in the meantime. Try uh, coming up with new projects. I look forward to seeing what else you post. Have you got anything in mind you're going to build soon? Uh, yeah, uh, actually, my new projects are kind of away from football for a while. It's going to be. Uh, there might be something which is football-related in Iraq uh, and architecture. Uh, I can't say it now, but I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that uh, it will happen. And let's see. And uh, likewise, by the way, I'm very happy for this chat we have. Uh, I wish you all the best and I hope uh, and I wish your website expands as well. Uh, you're doing very nice work, otherwise I wouldn't have come here with you. <laughs> Thank you again, uh, Hassanian, for, for this time. I think it was a nice chat. Thank you for everyone who joined us. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to see you as well. Thank you so much, Yusuf. All the best, man. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. 
And that's that, guys. Uh, we'll be back, hopefully, in a couple of weeks with another edition of the Iraq Football Podcast. In the meantime, stay safe. Find us on social media. Get in touch. We want to hear from you. Remember, on Instagram and Twitter, the new handle is at IraqFootballPod. In the meantime, look after yourselves and yalla ya Iraq. Yeah.